What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome to another edition of No Content for Old Men, the podcast where every week I give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Matt Craig. Thank you so much for listening. This week, we will be talking about a new movie, Ava, which is on paid VOD right now, an action movie starring Jessica Chastain, John Malkovich, Colin Farrell, and Common. And somehow, despite all that, really was not worth talking about with a full-length segment. So, this week, I thought I'd take the chance to do another one of my streaming platform deep dives and take a look at 12 movies on Hulu that you probably haven't seen yet. If you are not a Hulu subscriber, you can go ahead and skip to the part of the podcast where I do something new, something old, and something to stream, just as I do every Friday morning. But just like last time when I did Netflix movies you probably haven't seen, I'm going to skip right past the more obvious choices. I hope you've already seen Iconic Comedies on Hulu, Superbad, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Oscar winners like The Hurt Locker and Parasite, the Russell Crowe Hall of Famers Master and Commander, and A Beautiful Mind, my 2020 faves, Palm Springs and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the female-led My Best Friend's Wedding and Booksmart, and of course, Denis Villeneuve's Prisoners. If not, those are a great place to start. All those movies I would highly recommend. But here are 12 under-the-radar movies, ones you hopefully haven't seen or even heard of, which you can throw on this week and enjoy. Note for all the true cinephiles out there, I didn't go as obscure as I could have, and these are for the most part movies that are known amongst the film community, but based on conversations with friends, have not reached a mass audience. So let's hop right into it. For number 12, I'm going with Minding the Gap. It's a 2018 documentary directed by Bing Liu, and I really wanted to use this spot to highlight the fact that Hulu is the home of this new golden age for documentaries. Uh, They have Three Identical Strangers, which is one of my favorite all-time documentaries. They have Apollo 11, which is honestly just an astonishing achievement of filmmaking in documenting one of the greatest achievements in human history. And then there's this. Uh, Bing Liu basically grew up in Rockford, Illinois, a town that has been passed over by industry, uh, like so many Rust Belt cities. And it is especially run down because there's a lot of parental and spousal abuse there. And Bing Liu suffered that as a child. And he kind of explores that trauma through himself and also through two of his best friends growing up. And they, they all skated together. And this filming of this documentary takes place over, I don't know, eight to 10 years of their lives. Um, As IMDb puts it, it's about three young men bonding together to escape volatile families in the Rust Belt hometown as they face adult responsibilities, unexpected revelations threaten their decade-long friendship. And yeah, it is just such a document to human brokenness. It is about the deeply flawed but deeply human relationships between fathers and sons mothers and fa- and mothers and sons, husbands and wives, and between friends. Uh, and as depressing as that may sound, it's actually really hopeful and, like I said, deeply human. So I, I really highly recommend Minding the Gap. For number 11, I'm talking about The Escort. And this is a movie that honestly should be tra- trashy and terrible. Uh, and I won't, you know, I won't 
pretend like it is an Oscar-winning drama. According to IMDb, it's here's the logline. Desperate for a good story, a sex-addicted journalist throws himself into the world of high-class escorts when he starts following a Stanford-educated prostitute. The movie, honestly, yeah, it, it's a ridiculous premise. Uh, it's low-budget. It's kind of one of those late-night movies that you throw on, but it's, it is not... Uh, explicit and it is not as trashy as it could be with that premise it's actually a pretty sweet uh, romantic comedy kind of unfolds the way you would expect but it does so in a way that's genuinely touching and nuanced and at only an hour and 28 minutes it's just one of those great movies that you can put on late at night and enjoy and be surprised by how competent it is so the escort at number 11 At number 10, I'm talking about The Cabin in the Woods. It is a 2011 horror movie written by Joss Whedon and directed by Drew Goddard. And the logline is, Five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargained for, discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. And it will surprise absolutely no one that the horror movie I chose for this list is not a straight-ahead horror movie. Uh, Hulu has those, and obviously they've become very popular in the streaming age, but (laughs) they're not really something I enjoy watching. So the one I chose is kind of a deconstruction of the horror setup. It it, it should be a straightforward, easy-to-follow horror movie, but then it kind of, as I like to say in my reviews, takes the nuclear option and uh, completely deconstructs what you think a horror movie could be. I I really think that people that do not like horror movies would like this. It plays in the same tropes, but with a pretty crazy twist. And in 2011, this kind of cast you could not put together today. Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth, yes, Thor is in this movie, Richard Jenkins, who you might know as the dad from Step Brothers, and Bradley Whitford, of course, who people know from The West Wing. Great cast, really smart writing, and a really surprising, funny, and entertaining thriller, The Cabin in the Woods. At number nine, we're talking about Like Crazy, which also came out in 2011, written and directed by Drake Dormus. And as you all know, this this list would not be a Matt Craig list if it did not include at least one romantic comedy. So I'm picking Like Crazy, and... Honestly, I mean, okay, we're talking about a cast that includes Jennifer Lawrence, Felicity Jones, and Anton Yelchin. This story kind of takes on a whole new resonance after Anton Yelchin's really unfortunate death uh, in his mid-20s. This was honestly one of his only leading roles, but uh, this is a a pretty sad story. Uh, The log line is, a British college student falls for an American student only to be separated from him when she's banned from the U.S. after overstaying her visa. It's funny that they made an entire movie about, really, visa laws (laughs) from the United Kingdom to the United States. But uh, when you throw in kind of this love story of people who, you know, are they meant to be? Are they not meant to be? They they long for each other, but maybe they're not the right fit for each other. You know, it's just one of those stories that you kind of, it leaves your heart completely vulnerable. Uh, You're aching. You know, your your heart broken, but at the same time, your heart is full. And um, yeah, it's it's it does everything that a real romantic comedy should do. It's not one of those sugar-coated, you know, Netflix rom-coms, you know, that plays in the formula. It, it really kind of uh, opens you up 
But if you're looking to get vulnerable, I really highly recommend Like Crazy. At number eight, I am recommending 2019's The Peanut Butter Falcon, written and directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. If there's one thing that is connecting this list so far, other than the fact that every single movie I've chosen is coming in at under an hour and 40 minutes, it is also that these movies so far have all been really hopeful, really happy movies that, yeah, make your heart uh, full and happy. And uh, Lord knows we need that in 2020. This movie is no different, starring Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson. I mean, it's got the goods. Um, for me, it, and I wrote about this when the movie came out, it proved to me again that Shia LaBeouf, honestly, is one of the most talented actors of our generation. If you did not catch this movie when it came out last year, I gave it incredibly high marks. In fact, I will tell you right now that of my 2019 releases, I had Peanut Butter Falcon number five overall. So yeah, this movie I highly, highly recommend. If you didn't catch my reviews or you weren't subscribed last year, um, this is one you got to catch. It's basically about a special needs kid who runs away from a special needs facility, meets up with uh, Shia LaBeouf, who's kind of like a, a wanderer, and they two become friends as uh, the special needs kid wants to become a professional wrestler. And then Dakota Johnson is her um, counselor at the facility, and she tries to look to find him. And honestly, the uh, the friendship that they all gain, it's just a heartwarming movie. Uh, there's never a bad time to uh, watch this. So number eight, Peanut Butter Falcon. At number seven, I'm talking about Hunt for the Wilder People, 2016 comedy slash adventure movie written and directed by Taika Waititi. And yes, another movie coming in an hour and 41 minutes and with a heartwarming premise. <laughs> uh, here's the logline for this one. A national manhunt is ordered for a rebellious kid and his foster uncle who go missing in the wild New Zealand bush. And... Basically, if you like Taika Waititi's sensibility, you're going to love this movie. Um, you know, he's he's awesome at really surprising humor, humor in circumstances that you don't think would be funny. Um, this is kind of a low-budget movie from early in his career. You know, for those that like Jojo Rabbit, very similar. There's a kid. He's a foster kid. He finally opens up with uh, his new foster parents. And then when one of them dies and he's going to be sent back to the state him and his other foster parent go out into the wilderness and run from authorities. Um, and as much as that sounds like an action adventure movie, and it is, uh, it's packed with laughs. And again, another movie that just is really heartwarming. It makes you feel great. Um, it's on Hulu and cannot recommend highly enough hunt for the wilder people. At number six, we're talking about Wild Rose, which came out in 2018 and is directed by Tom Harper and, of course, stars Jesse Buckley, who really bursts onto the screen as not only an incredibly talented singer and performer, um, but also just a powerhouse actress. And obviously the roles that she has gone on to since then prove that. Um, I'm noticing the other trend in this, which is that Hulu doesn't really have a lot of old movies, but as a really nice collection of 2017, 2018, and 2019 uh, movies that are really good. Uh, and this is another one of those that I felt like didn't get its, its due course when it was released in 2018. Um, but it's about a troubled young girl from Glasgow 
Ireland, uh, who dreams of becoming a Nashville country star. I do love me a good music movie. I mean, my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies is Almost Famous for a good reason. Um, It's filled with kind of country music, but it's really about her journey as she has to find a way to mature and grow up um, while also pursuing her dreams. And basically those two priorities clash um, in a really, really cool way. This movie also stars Julie Walters, who you might know from Mamma Mia, among other things. And uh, I think it's one of those movies that, you know, you follow it, it kind of like hooks you in with the music, but then really, really by the end you are emotionally invested And when that final song comes on, I mean, it's honestly one of the great closing scenes of the past few years in movies. Um, Wow. It just emotionally rings you out. (laughs) In a good way, though. This one is uh, much happier and more positive than Like Crazy. I really highly recommend Wild Rose. For number five, we are talking about Shoplifters. And this movie, which came out in 2018 as well, um, is out of Japan, and it won the Palme d'Or, Palme d'Or in 2018. If you guys aren't familiar, that is basically the world's Oscars. It's for the Cannes Film Festival, uh, the highest prize handed out there, and many people consider it the most prestigious award in of the movie calendar, ahead of the Oscar for Best Picture. Um, written and directed by, and I'm going to butcher this, <laughs> Hiro Kazu Korida. That's my best bet. Um, Yeah, so it's basically about a family of small-time crooks who take in a child they find outside in the cold. And it's one of those movies that is a masterpiece because of the way it plays with assumptions within a narrative. You don't really realize that the whole thing was a house of cards until it starts collapsing, revealing deeper and more nuanced layers with every twist. As Bong Joon-ho would say, climb that one-inch wall at the bottom of the screen and savor this Japanese jewel. I mean, it's different than Parasite, I will say. It's kind of a slower burn, but once the dominoes start falling, your mind is just like continuously blown. Everything that you thought the movie was going to be, it flips on its head and it's something else. And I think if you give this movie a chance, you're really, really going to appreciate it. So... Get on Hulu right now and check out Shoplifters tonight. For number four, we're talking about Coherence. And I know I just recommended this movie uh, in last week's or the week before. The newsletter uh, came out in 2013. Very small budget indie written and directed by James Ward Bearquet. And it's one of those movies that like once it gets in your head you really never stop thinking about it and i don't think i've stopped thinking about it um since i I watched this it was recommended to me by a reader uh slash listener to this show josh l thank you so much for passing this along and yeah i mean i i know i'm a broken uh, a broken record saying oh i highly recommend this for everything yeah that's why it's on this list go watch coherence it's a movie that they kind of pieced together in a very indie sort of way. There wasn't a script. They just kind of figured it out. But it's built around the Schrodinger's cat uh, psychological theory. And it's just a really, really fascinating look at a premise, a high-concept premise that continues to bend your mind um, throughout. It's one of those things that, like, it's just a masterclass in uh, film narrative structure. 
And I know that makes it sound like really nerdy, but it it it's one of the if you like movies that kind of like mess with your mind, this is a perfect thriller for you. And again, <laughs> because clearly this is uh, becoming my trademark. At only an hour and 29 minutes, you can knock it out just uh, about, I mean, the same length as some of these dramas in one episode. So, uh, recommending Coherence at number four. For number three, I'm recommending 2011's Margin Call, which follows the key people at an investment bank over a 24-hour period during the early stages of the 2008 financial crisis. It was written and directed by J.C. Shandor, and, I mean, come on. This cast, I know I overstate it sometimes. Oh, great cast, great cast. But come, this this cast is ridiculous. You got Kevin Spacey, Paul Bettany, Jeremy Irons. You got Demi Moore, Stanley Tucci, Penn Badgley, for all the uh, you and uh, Gossip Girl heads out there. It's just, I mean, every single character is delivering a knockout performance. And this is one of those movies that it's, you know, it's a people in rooms talking movie. And if you're looking for, like, the very exciting Explain It To Me 2008 Crisis movie, then, yeah, you should definitely go watch The Big Short. That, I really enjoyed that movie, too. Um, but for, like, a deeper, more nuanced and potentially more challenging view of what happened, especially early in that financial crisis, I mean, this movie is an absolute masterclass in kind of playing events out in real time Um but evolving them, you know, the story continues to build and continues to build to a really satisfying conclusion. And it asks, you know, the question about like, man, who who are the good guys here? Who are the bad guys? And for a moment that I think people in my, around my age group um, do not know enough about the 2008 financial crisis, this is a really, really interesting movie. Um, and what it, you know, whatever it sacrifices in excitement, it picks up in fascination at the absolute highest level. So checking out 2011's Margin Call. At number two, another movie from 2018. This one, a documentary. I'm talking about Free Solo. And this will surprise absolutely no one because anyone who knows me knows that in the fall of 2018, I could not stop talking about this documentary. I've watched it, I don't know, at least three or four times. For those that are unfamiliar, it's about Alex Honnold, who is a climber, and he wants to climb basically an impossible rock face, free solo, which means without ropes. No one has ever done it. Literally everyone has assumed that this is impossible to do this. You would be foolish to even attempt this. Uh, So what goes into the mind of a man to want to do something like this and then, yeah, uh, attempt to pull off Truly, I mean, like a, a human, a feat of human uh, athleticism and willpower and everything like that. But the movie dives so much deeper than that. Uh, it's about kind of the way Alex Honnold's brain is wired and how that affects his relationships with his parents, with his girlfriend. I mean, his interactions with his girlfriend are truly astonishing. <laughs> For anyone that has seen this movie, it I, I, I can't even describe it to you. I, I Yeah. I don't want to ruin anything for the movie, but this is like the the drama in this is just absolutely titanic. I, I, I remember going into this small little theater with one of my friends in Chicago and seeing this movie and like I was sweating so badly. I was gripping the edges of my seats. Um, I mean, it, this is just like, yeah, an absolutely, uh, an absolutely engrossing experience. 
that will stress you out. And I mean, <laughs> I can't even explain it to you. Honestly, it, it should be higher amongst like my favorite movies of all time um, because of the dramatic tension that everything builds. But just as a a documentation of an incredible feat. It will literally, in my mind, never get better than Free Solo. All right, here's what I thought I would do for our number one movie this week on Hulu that you probably have never seen. It's If Beale Street Could Talk, written and directed by Barry Jenkins, who honestly is becoming one of the modern masters after his 2018 Oscar win for Moonlight. I, I completely, to be completely honest with you, think that this movie is the better of the two. Uh, and I've never seen, you know, Medicine for Melancholy, which is his first movie. But I think this is the best movie that he's made. And I thought it was criminally underrated uh, at the 2019 Oscars and, and really would have won it, I think, had Moonlight not won the, the previous year. Because that's how these things work. We don't give it to the best movies of the year. This wasn't my number one movie of the year, but it was my number three movie of the year. Uh, and a true, I mean, come on, it, it, it is a masterpiece. And I think in, in the year that we're having in 2020, this is the movie that needs to be uplifted. So here's what I thought I would do. I am going to read the review that I put out when this movie came out because, uh, that fully encapsulates my feelings towards it. So here we go. If Beale Street could talk is above all else, a love story. Such was the first line of the film's promotional read on basically every podcast I listen to. Such is the truth. At its core, this movie is hopelessly romantic. Jenkins captures love like real-life, messy, lived-in, till-death-do-us-part young love. The primary narrative is intercut with these scenes of protagonists, Fawny and Tish, falling in love. They aren't flashbacks, exactly. More like memories. Harmonies of stringed instruments play in the background. The light silhouettes... Our lovers just so. Their touch lingers. It's not exactly accurate, obviously, but reaches almost a higher plane of truth. It's true to experience. Instead of showing what it was like, these scenes capture what it felt like to be that person falling in love at that time in that place. Meanwhile, that primary narrative I mentioned is an utterly devastating look at race relations in America. Or, I'd ignorantly like to believe, of simply Harlem in the 1970s. Not. Without spoiling anything, because this is in the trailer, Tish is pregnant and racing to free wrongly imprisoned Fawny before she has her baby. The cultural deck is stacked against them. They cannot win. The power of love will not prevail. But where our protagonists might turn that resentment into hate and aggression, see Black Klansman, Jenkins steers it toward perseverance. There is undoubtedly anti-white sentiment in this movie. Quote, the white man has got to be the devil, unquote, says one character. But it's played through the lens of subjectivity, through, once again, experience. This is even more devastating and truly rips right through the defenses and produces, if I may be so bold, empathy. This rose-like construction, beautiful soft flowers on top and thorns beneath, is perfected by Jenkins' craft. The sets and the costumes are gorgeous, and the cinematography literally took my breath away in a few moments. Somehow, the fairy tale and the nightmare are both captured with the same aesthetic. As for the cast, in just two movies, Jenkins has shown a generational ability to find previously unknown actors and cast them in star-making roles. Kiki Lane and Stefan James, who played Tish and Fonny, fit the bill. 
Add to that Brian Tyree Henry, who gives the movie about 12 absolute show-stopping minutes, and Regina King, who just won a Golden Globe for this role and very well might nab an Oscar as well, and you've got a formidable cast. Side note, Regina King did end up going on to win that Oscar. But despite all this gushing, the aspect I'm most impressed by is actually the script. It's really funny in a few scenes and will make you want to cry in others. Filmmakers have been adapting books to screen for decades, but I can think of a few scripts that have created such successful adaptation while still preserving the magic of the words on the page. Through a voiceover from Tish's character, we get the literal prose of James Baldwin's original novel, and it somehow fits naturally into the movie while preserving the gravity of its original form. And let me tell you, 99% of the time voiceover is lazy and bad, and I hate it. That's so hard to pull off, yet he did it. Because Barry Jenkins doesn't make movies. He makes art. Okay, you guys know the drill. Every week I give you something new, something old, and something to stream. This week, something new was Ava. You can buy it or rent it on iTunes right now for, you know, five bucks. Um, It's really tough for movie fans like myself who insistently, incessantly for call for original movies for adults to get decent budgets to then see an action movie starring Jessica Chastain, John Malkovich, Colin Farrell, Common, and Diana Silvers flop this hard. It's basically a 96-minute action movie Mad Lib, plugging in poor recreations of elements from much better entries into the genre. The movie fails alongside a long line of sexy female assassin movies in recent years. I'm thinking of Red Sparrow, Atomic Blonde, and Anna, none of which inspire the chants of girl power. Unfortunately, this movie is one you can pass on. For something old this week, we're taking a look at 1975's The Day of the Locust. I just got done reading Nathaniel West's iconic 1939 novel of the same name about Los Angeles' hollow splendor during the Great Depression. Then I found out that John Schlesinger, the director of classics like Midnight Cowboy and Marathon Man, adapted the book into a movie starring, among others, Donald Sutherland and Burgess Meredith. Yo, Mickey! (laughs) It's about a group of people on the fringes of Hollywood trying to get famous, exposing the emptiness of the pursuit. And, fun fact, Sutherland's character in the novel and in the movie is named Homer Simpson. Yep, the iconic animated character was named after this hapless foil for our protagonist here. That's the kind of trivia knowledge you're only going to get on No Content for Old Men. This week for something to stream, we're talking about Moneyball. They just put it back on Netflix and holy moly, I guess it took a rewatch for me to realize this is not only the best sports movie ever, but also one of my all-time favorite movies. You got towering performances, impeccable writing, both on the micro and macro levels, and crafty direction. It's thrilling and emotional and informative, and it really just kicks ass from start to finish. As Brad Pitt's Billy Bean puts it, it's hard not to be romantic about baseball. If you get time this week, you really can't spend two hours better than re-watching Moneyball. And with Trial of Chicago 7 coming out on Friday, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, it's time to revisit one of Sorkin's best screenplays.
Alright guys, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you for sticking around this long. I know it was an extra long show this week. Hopefully you enjoy some of those movies on Hulu. If you do watch any of them on my recommendation, please get in touch with me either on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig or by replying to the newsletter through the email, which if you are not subscribed, you can check out through the bio in my Twitter page. Please get in touch with me and let me know what you think of those suggestions. If you have any suggestions for me, I would love to hear them, so get in touch with that as well. Next week's show, we are taking a look at The Trial of the Chicago 7, new movie from Aaron Sorkin, stacked cast, you know, an absolute Oscar contender. I cannot wait. The Oscar movies are here, guys. I am very, very excited, so you'll want to make sure you tune in next Friday morning. Until then, I guess I'll see you at the movies.